as we took the journey, and obviously we had some trading mates or tradespeople that, that business owners willing to put the money in. We got into the journey. By this time, I spent my enormous amount of money on this with a small investment from the trades business companies. We got to the, the bottom of it in terms of where we're going to go now. While we are the idea, I really found out the market wasn't that quite ready yet. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. And I bet you're exposed to investment risk right now. To reduce it, go to myworstinvestmentever.com and download the risk reduction checklist I've made specifically for you, my podcast listeners, based on the lessons I've learned from all of my guests. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, and I'm here with featured guest, Logan Nathan. Logan, are you ready to rock? Yes, I am, of course. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, let me introduce you to the audience. Logan is founder and CEO at I4T Global and i for tradies. He's a digital transformation specialist, a serial startup entrepreneur, a board director and advisor, and an angel investor. Logan, take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life. Thank you very much, Andrew, for inviting me to your exciting broadcast. Well, like I said, people can't see me. Of course, this is an audio broadcast. With my gray hair, you can really say that I've come from almost 40 years of IT industry. And of course, having gone through starting as a youngster on my own, you know, doing my own business. And then I realized that I want to be really the, the expert on, on technology. So I quit that and joined the, the multinational. And I took that journey for 22 years. And then I realized that my real passion is all about driving and, and the entrepreneurial shape that, that I always had in from ever since I was young. So 18 years ago, my journey started uh, starting up my own company and really trying to learn all, to really implement the things that I've learned through my corporate life, through my journey, you know, as a youngster. And of course, learned a lot of lessons. And um, believe me, as you go through, I'm going to share you some exciting stuff. So (laughs) let me fire up the 18 years of this journey going with you. So Fantastic. You know what the next step is. Yeah. Maybe just for those people who don't know about your business, you could just tell us a little bit about what your business is, what it does right now, so that we understand where you're coming from with that. Right. So like I said earlier on, I've been always in the IT industry and always been innovative in way of my thinking and always like to challenge the status quo. That's always been my nature. So 18 years of in my running my own company, always have been trying to service the client. And we didn't really have a vertical. So we were just servicing a client that anybody that require a digital transformation need, right? That could be just from a consultancy to advice to developing a website to social media to actually, you know, taking the journey across to whatever that they had. About four years ago, I wrote a book about digital transformation because, you know, intrigued me how Uber, Airbnb, and all of these disruptive technology has changed the way the industry worked in the past. 
So that intrigued me and said, wrote a book about transformation that's impacting the small businesses like mine in any industry. That really got me to lead the thing and say, I'm not getting any younger. Before I call it quit myself, I want to disrupt an industry that I want to choose and take the journey. Of course, as an entrepreneur, you always take the risk. So I was looking around since I've finished my book and rightly or wrongly, we had a lot of relationship with tradespeople. We, you know, in Australia, we call them tradies. Trades uh, clients, and you become my mates as well, being, you know, you get, get to know them really well. And I put this idea forward to one of the trades business owners and he loved it. I said, how about we doing a disrupt into the trades industry, the way it operates in an Uber style way. They said, he told me, I've been thinking about it too. Let's do it. By the way, when you talk about tradies, so you're talking about plumbers and mechanics and, you know. Plumbers, uh, electrician, handyman, all of these, you know. Got it. Yeah, yep. we call them tradies. But, you know, I think that normally they call it tradesmen, right? Yep. Or contractors, I think, call that in the U.S. Mm. Mm. So we said, yes, let's get into it. And as always entrepreneurs do, dive into it. The next thing we'll just dive into it. Fortunately, I had a team of people who know how to actually do the coding and the technology part of it without asking the questions too much. We'll just get into it. Mm. And as I dive into having a beta version, obviously you've got to now start looking for funds. And I remember this very clearly when I went into one of the angel investor meeting. They said, are you trying to fix tradespeople problem? They are the most disorganized bunch. And you, while you can get out of it, get out. I don't think you're not going to get anywhere. But no is not the answer for me as an entrepreneur. <laughs> Especially given the tradespeople, I said, yeah, let's go with it. So remember, I was talking about Uber style. We are trying to solve a consumer problem, which you always, you know, used to getting service from the trades, but no transparency, no nothing, just like an Uber platform does. Mm. As we took the journey, and obviously we had some you know, trading mates or tradespeople that, that business owners willing to put the money in. We got into the journey. By this time, I spent my enormous amount of money on this with a small investment from the trades business companies. We got to the the bottom of it in terms of where we're going to go now. Mm. While we are the idea, I really found out the market wasn't that quite ready yet. The tradespeople were not prepared to be transparent because the way the tradespeople work is, you got some problem, I'll fix it, you pay me the money, and get out of here, right? And the consumer point of view, they are also being well trained or comes to used to just, you know, do something for me, Here's the money and do it. The worst scenario is what we were trying to do is everything transparent and open. Mm. Often the traders are taking cash. And the consumers also used to, by paying a cash, they can save a few dollars. Often, this is much, much bigger challenge than what, what we had, right? You know, to cut the chase, we actually realize year into the year into the line, having gone and through all the investment. This B2C journey we are taking is not going anywhere, right? However, a light bulb moment came in during the process, well into the year and a half, I would say. So here's that story. Mm. As we've gone in, we actually had a call from one of those investor tradies who was also using it, the tradespeople, who was also using the platform. He said, Logan, something funny happened to me today. When 
actually I received a call from a real estate company. Then Thor told me often they come to pay their bills months later. And they said, we were about to pay the bill. So we were checking with the tenant whether this was fixed. Remember, there's no visibility here. And the tenant said, no, they can't recall. These guys never been there. I don't think you should be paying the bill. Then, of course, that request come back to the, the trades company owner. And he said, Logan, I can tell you, normally this is a $300 bill. I just let it go and become the guilty party because it'll take me more than four hours to find something happened six weeks, seven weeks ago. Mm. And it's, it's a day's work for me or half a day's work. That's not going to be possible to justify the $300. With that, I become the guilty party. I lose that client forever. And then, but life goes on and I keep, keep struggling. Suddenly I realize I'm using I4 tradies, which then records every moment of that transaction process. When the call was received, when did I actually accept the job? When did I assign the job to one of my employees to go and do the job? What time did he arrive? What did he do? What time he finished it? Oh, I got the feedback and we got all that audit process there, right? And it took me five minutes to realize that and I print that in PDF form and send it to this real estate property manager. You won't believe it. She had a jaw-dropping experience, jaw-dropping experience, I should say. The reason is, what kind of tradesperson are you? Because we were not expecting that sort of detail that you're recording at any moment. Andrew, that's yep. the time when you shared that, I realized that night, we are not really chasing B2C or business to consumer. We have a gap, a huge gap in the business to business area where the business has got a bigger problem where they are actually handling somebody's asset management and not able to produce a results or justify that in a way that they need to do it. So now we have gone back and realized, let's go to this, what I call it authorized agents who actually got an asset to manage on behalf of their client, who can then really require to be ahead of the game and disrupt the way that the they whole business process is working from A to Z. And with that, we have actually gone to the biggest company and we have been really convincing them to do it. And we have really started building that. That was going back to 2019. Hmm. Amazing. And we were actually come into 2019, we were thinking we are really going to hit the, the rocket you know, very soon and we are going to be world famous. Guess what happened in March 2019? Sorry, 2020, I should say. COVID hit us. Mm. I don't think anybody expected it. I'm not alone, the whole world. Cut the long story short, by March, April, we lost 80% of the little revenue we were getting and we were actually thinking, this is it. This is the end of the world for us. Everything we have done for the previous three years is gone wasted. As entrepreneurs, you never give up. You always find a different way to do things. So what we have done is, the first thing we did is, how can we keep our head above water? All I knew is, we don't know what the, the length of this period where the problem is going to be. All I knew is, if somebody survived during this period of COVID, and the customer says, if that company survived, that's the company we want to deal with. Mm. Because that's the unknown, the company and the team 
and the culture of that company handled it really well. That's all I knew at that time, back in March. So I put that back into motion. First, we went to all the, what we call it, collaborators or partners and say, what can you do for us? That's the first question. Mm. Then we said, I mean, at the end of the day, it's about cash flow management. Right? Yep. For anybody that is in that situation, it's all about cash flow. Fortunately, Australian government also gave enough funding to keep head of our water for, for the people that are genuinely doing the business. That's number two. Number three is now you go back to your staff and be honest to them and open to them and say, this is a real situation, guys. We want to keep and going. And I really shared with them what my real, my vision is at the end of COVID. Mm. I have no idea what that end of COVID means when I thought about this around about my April timeframe. And I said, what can you do? You won't believe it, including suppliers and our staff were prepared to cut their wages for a period of time. Of course, they couldn't do it forever. Mm. And we were able to cash, positively cash manage that for a period of about three months. In the meantime, we said, where is, a, where is the situation now? Just like that light bulb moment with the property manager, is that what can we do to right now to this situation? Forget about our vision, the long-term mm. goal. What is it we can do now? Believe it or not, we come up with a very simple SMS technology that really can, and a house owner locked up in a, a lockdown situation, can just send a request to say, I want to trade you, I'm in trouble, right? Or trace person. And you could get that. So we introduced that and we got the recognition from quite a lot of other people that that's the right thing to do. And take that forward now, that's become a part of our module on our bigger picture, mm. right? So taking this forward, we have not stopped there. While our technical people were busy doing this work for about two to three months, what we said was, okay, where are we now? What do we do differently? We manage the cash flow. We manage to keep the retain of the, the client. Let's go back and tell the story to the world where we are at and how important post-COVID this technology is more than ever before. Guess what? Back in 2019, the clients that we had started coming back and talking to us. Cut the long story short, we also did another thing. We said, we are not just now even talking about in Australia. This problem is worldwide. In fact, actually worldwide is much bigger than the problem in Australia. We said we want to go global. That's why we actually name it I4T Global, right? I4Trade is going global, mm. I4T Global. Today, not only we have actually signed with the number one company here in Australia, and also to fast track our global growth found one of the largest company, trades company, to become the license holder for Oceania. That means Australia, New Zealand, and the smaller countries in around this region. For them to really take on and, and implement this technology in this part of the world, which is Oceania, that allow us to have a master license owner focus on that. Our strategic customers commit to us, and we won't believe it, we now have a $10 million deal over the next five years. <laughs> Right? Yeah. And now, as we speak, I'm now implementing the same process and the strategies that we have learned in the last 12 months globally. And we think, well, not only we think, we know the, the things that we have done can be really valuable in the US, Europe, and other parts of the countries. 
Mm. That's really my short and long term, a long answer of where we are at and the two light bulb moments. And I'm believe me, every time you talk to the client, you talk to your staff, you talk to your supplier, they will tell you the light bulb moments for you. Mm. You have to just listen, listen and listen carefully and think it through and say, how does it impact? I really want to give you one other thing that I've always been, been my motto. When things are happening really, really good, always think the reverse cycle, what is bad about this? When things are going really, really bad for you, just ask your colleague, what is good about it, right? And to, me, but to be honest with you, if I can just give you a single light bulb moment for your, for your listeners, that's what's really got me to think differently and come through the survival through the COVID where I was brink of broken, going broke to where we are today, going, thinking about going global. Mm, that's great. Yeah. So how would you summarize? I mean, you, this is a big, a lot of stuff went on in this. How would you summarize what you learned from this experience? You never give up. And entrepreneurs, you never give up. And, and, and summarizes the answer is with your advocates, mm. right? You step into it. Mm. That's great. All right. Well, let me share a few things. I wrote down a lot of stuff as I was listening to you. But the first thing that you made me think about is that you kind of, you were attacking what you thought was the problem. And that was the relationship between the tradee and the customer. So kind of a, you know, that simple relationship. But the way that you ended up solving it was you identified an, an ultimate beneficiary or an asset owner or somebody that, that really needed that much more than those two parties needed it. And therefore, and you found that. So that's the first thing is this idea of going beyond where you're first looking. And I know in the industry of finance, we have brokers that execute buy and sell orders. We have fund management companies that send those buy and sell orders to the brokers. But we also have the asset owners, which are the ultimate beneficiaries. So sometimes you may not be able to convince the mutual fund company, for instance, to do a certain thing. But if you could convince the asset owner, let's just say that they, you should look at corporate governance and you know, social impact or ESG, the fund management companies say, well, we're really busy and all that. But if the asset owner goes to them and says, I want this, then all of a sudden they have to listen. So I think you've given a great example of kind of looking at the problem from a different angle. You saw a problem. You didn't see that it was as valuable as you thought, but then you found another direction where it was valuable. And I think the second thing that I take away is, you know, it reminds me of my business partner. He says, whenever you feel down, talk to your customers. And he says, you know, you're either going to find they're not happy about something and then you're going to feel invigorated to go fix that. Or you're going to find out they're happy about something and you're going to feel good about that. But what you've told us that listen to your customer, listen to the, the parties involved and you'll find your answer there. And that's a great lesson because a lot of times when times are tough, we lock ourselves in our offices, we have team meetings, and what you're telling us is the answer is not there. That's what I take away from what you said. What would you add to that? 
Thank you. Yes, spot on. I would just say broadly advocates, right? The advocates are, you're not only just a client, your suppliers, your association that, you know, the advisors that, that really give you the lift that you need. Of course, your employees. They're, they're the one really making that engine room burning every day. Right? Mm. So you got to really make sure you listen to them because they're also, you know, equally impacted or really have the livelihood with you. Yeah. Right? So to me, combination of all of that tapping in the right town. Yeah. Like I said, in when it, things are bad, always ask what is good about it because that's a really a opposite psychology, like your podcast mm. talking about <laughs> <That's> the worst, <laughs> worst investment. Right? So it's, a, it's the opposite psychology. Right? And when things are going good, which is happening right now to me, I'm always thinking what is bad about it. You know, how do we just having the growth and the cash flow that can really something can go wrong? So what is bad about it? How do you mitigate that? So it's, it's the opposite that often we don't ask. That's really true in generally in life, to be honest with you. I like it because, you know, if you think of life as just a series of ups and downs, it's like a sine wave in electronics, as an example. And it just goes up and down. But when you are at your peak and you ask what could go wrong, you bring down your peak a little bit. And when you're at your bottom and you say what could go right, you bring up your bottom a little bit and you bring more stability and less volatility to your life. So I think that's really great advice. Thank you. I think you said it better than what I could do. Very good. Excellent. Yeah, I think a, a lot of great lessons to learn. So now what I now want you to do is give some advice and think about young people out there that are struggling, they're challenged, they're facing obstacles, they're not exactly sure how to overcome those. And I'm gonna ask you this question, which is based upon what you've learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Well, ultimately, if somebody trying to do whatever they want to achieve, is the cash flow is the king. We all know that, right? So when you're talking about the cash flow, what is it that you require? One of the biggest lessons I've learned is make sure that you have a cash flow at least intact for the next three months, mm. right? Yep. Then you can actually pretty, pretty well focus for the following three months, right? Entrepreneurs are really good in ideas. The cash is always difficult to come by, especially with a new idea. But if you can really manage that cash flow, and look at all the mitigation that can go wrong. That's what I was thinking, you know, good time, yep. you ask the wrong question, you know, what can go wrong and the other way around as well. And then I think you got it made, mm. right? Often Great. don't be afraid to ask your associates. That's mm -hmm. your client, your suppliers, and your employees, because they can give you a lot more ideas, like we have done, you know, yep. Yep. salary for nearly three months, and they voluntarily accepted that. Yeah. So listeners, you know, pay attention to the words that, that Logan is mentioning. He didn't say cash. He said cash flow. Thank you. And cash flow is king. A lot of times we say cash is king. And yes, I mean, everybody would like to be sitting on a big pile of cash. But if you can't produce cash flow, it's very hard to convince other people to come along with your story, whether they're employees or whether they're investors. So I think let's take heed to the exact words that Logan said, which is cash flow is king. All right, last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? 
Number one is to learn from what we have done it. And A for me is about teaching many other people to me, right? Because the lesson that we have learned, the more people that you teach, the more collaborative advocates that you're going to have to take your journey, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what I learn, is always somebody else going to teach you better than what you know. Beautiful. Right? So the more you pass on, just like I'm doing with you, Andrew. Yep. I mean, I'm learning from you as I just talking mm -hmm. to you, right? And the things that I've done, you're putting it beautifully back out to your, your listeners. Beautiful, right? So, yeah, that's what, the more you teach, the two things happen to you. The more you teach, you're learning more from your own self, listening to your own voice. The other thing is you're creating more advocate for yourself. Today, I think I've actually, you know, just got another advocate mm. yourself. And through your listeners, I'm sure that I'm going to get many more LinkedIn requests to connect and, and take it further. Yep. Fantastic. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. My number one goal in the next 12 months is to help you, my listener, reduce risk in your life. So go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now and download the risk reduction checklist to see how you measure up. As we conclude, Logan, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of Ace Dots Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words to the audience? Thank you very much, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for giving me the opportunity as well. Yes. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.